Hey everyone, welcome back. Before we get started, I need to give out some warnings for these stories. Story number one mentions domestic violence, and story number two mentions a lot of mental abuse. I just wanted to let you all know before we get started. As always, you can send your stories at southerncannibal.com if you have a crazy egg story of your own. Without any more interruptions, let's get into the stories. And remember to always stay hungry. I've decided to share my story here today after years of healing, as well as listening to other people's stories. I feel as though being able to finally speak about all of my feelings regarding this time in my life will be the final step I need to gain the closure that I seek. Before we begin, it's important to note that all this takes place over about a five-year span. I was a 17-year-old female at a random party that I really shouldn't have been at in the first place when I then met my soon-to-be boyfriend. We'll call him Scotty. He was 21. I unfortunately was a young, naive, and rebellious teen at the time, and I would be graduating high school that year, 2017. The lure of an older boyfriend was intriguing, and I hadn't really understood or felt true intimacy in my life, so I guess in some capacity I was desperate to feel desired. Needless to say, I fell victim quick. Being with an older out of high school boyfriend felt great at the time. Scotty seemed mature and as if he had everything together. The first six months to about a year we spent together went great, or so I thought. I developed a love for him. To keep a long story short, he stayed the night with me often. I lived with my parents at the time and one day Scotty just stopped leaving. He essentially and casually moved in with us. It's important to note that my bedroom was fully upstairs, so there was some privacy. Now, my parents weren't thrilled about having Scotty live there full time, but they allowed it. We began living together within the first year of us dating. It had become apparent that Scotty had struggled with some self-esteem issues, anger issues, and other issues as we got more comfortable with each other. He played video games constantly and was otherwise a bit of a recluse. He was not always this way though, but I believe he fell victim to extreme mental health issues. He began to decline around the one year mark. Scotty began to work the night shift, staying glued to his Xbox and he stopped going out to socialize completely and he eventually got to the point where he barely even spoke to me. It was always just video games. It was disturbing to watch someone become so consumed by such a darkness. This is when I began to catch him cheating, being sneaky, and finding nudes on his phone which included male, female, and trans. He began becoming hateful, vengeful, and empty. I had gotten so used to people giving up on me throughout my life that when I began seeing all the faults in him, I wanted to be different. I wanted to prove to him that I would never give up on him and that I would help him through this. Stupid, I know. But at this point in time, I had began growing distant from all of my friends and family because I had gotten to the peak point of loyalty and reliability with Scotty. Little did I know at the time that he was doing this to isolate me, to keep me dumb. I, of course, didn't understand what a trauma bond was at the time, 
so I was completely fooled. As the years went on, he began to get worse. He stopped working, began verbally assaulting me, punching holes through my walls and doors, punishing me by ignoring me for days or leaving for hours, destroying all of my stuff, actually threatening violence against my family and friends and himself, and much more. It even escalated to the point of driving recklessly to the point that I'd get nauseous. Speeds over 100 miles per hour, acquiring firearms to stash, and tormenting and physically abusing animals. Scotty one time threw our cat right against the wall like a football, and she hit the wall so hard I thought she had died. She made the most horrific sound I've ever heard. Now once again, I want to address that you'll never understand just how hard it is to leave someone like this unless you've actually been in a domestic violence situation yourself. This is embarrassing and humiliating to relive, but it's essential for my healing. Anyway, yeah, he got bad. Scotty's cheating never stopped, and his behavior just worsened and worsened. I wanted to leave so bad, but I felt stuck. He even kept a stolen gun in the glove box of his car, and he would threaten to kill anyone who would even just slightly piss him off. He made sure that I always knew that it was in there. I had lost my virginity to him. He lived with me. We had been together for so long. These thoughts raced with me constantly. Towards the last year of our relationship, he had been convinced by his family to be evaluated. He was diagnosed with BPD, OCD, anxiety and depression, and much more. It was quite an extensive list. He began taking medications, and for the next few months, I was actually convinced he was changing. I had told him that he needed to start seeing a therapist to regulate his emotions, or that we would need to break up at this point because I was exhausted. We had broken up many times by this point, but we always went back to each other. I was hopeless. Now, like I was saying, because of his medication, it seemed like that our last couple of months together, things felt right again. But by this point, about five years in, I finally realized that I wanted out. He was slow playing therapy, and I was no longer happy. I had grown and matured, and I was a very determined 22-year-old. I was ready to tell Scotty to get the fuck out of my life. I went home that night, and I did it. I told him to grab his shit and leave. Get the fuck out of here. I left him to finish getting his stuff while I went to work the next day. When I got home, my room was wrecked. Old notes that we had given each other tossed around the room, and behind the bed I found his old therapy packet that he was supposed to turn in. Over the next week, he had left me pages worth of writing about how sorry he was, and he even requested pictures of our cat. I sent him a couple of pictures, and then went on to block him on everything. I even made a new Snapchat and Instagram just to ensure he was wiped clean. Flash forward a few months, and I enter a new relationship. About six months into that relationship, Scotty's younger sister, who I'll call Taylor, messages me. I must add that I never blocked her because she was young, and her and I were quite close. Taylor sends me a frantic message stating that I need to be careful of who I accept as a friend or follower on social media, because apparently Scotty's lost his cool yet again, and he's making fake accounts trying to figure out what I'm doing. Taylor also stated that his family was trying to reach out to me, but they realized they were blocked, 
so she decided to sneakily give me a heads up without telling her family. He also supposedly started doing this after finding out that I had a new boyfriend. I logged down on all of my accounts, and I then thanked her for letting me know. Nothing ever came of this incident as far as I was aware. I also began living in another town at this time, so I wasn't too worried about him finding me. Flash forward another six months, and that boyfriend I had and I broke up. I moved back in with my parents, and I began dabbling on the dating apps. At this point, Scotty and I broke up in the summer of 2021, and it was now the fall of 2022. I always keep all of my exes blocked. I just don't care to keep up with them. So, Scotty still remained blocked. I was on the dating app Bumble when I then found Scotty's profile. I immediately felt a pit of anxiety seeing his face again, and I swiped left without a second thought. The app told me that I'd missed a match. He tried matching with me. Oh, hell no. After this incident, I blocked his profile on the app, and I pretty much forgot about it. That is, until Taylor, his little sister, reached out to me again. She told me that he had been thinking about reaching out to me, texting me. She then asked if I was interested in hearing from him, which I told her no politely. She understood, and then thanked me. She told me that he's grown up, and that he's actually fixed a lot of his issues. I really thought that would be the end of it. Flash forward a couple of months to January of 2023. I began receiving weird calls to my cell phone. Every time I would answer, there was silence. The call started when I was at my best friend's house. We'll call them Marie and Max. Marie was my best friend, and she had recently moved in with my other best friend Max into a house. The caller would call my phone and I'd reject it a number of times, and then they'd call Marie, like literally while she was sitting right next to me. Max would never get called though. Now, like I said, there would only be silence on the line. It was definitely a little creepy, but I chopped it up to spam. The number would continue to call me, but we noticed that they'd only call Marie if I kept rejecting their call and that they'd only call her if I was with her. We started to believe I was being tracked due to how they knew I was with Marie. We couldn't find anything. This went on for a couple of weeks, and I even tried tracking the number, and I traced it back to a DHS center. What? That was so random. I ended up blocking the number. Flash forward a few months, and I'm laying in bed. I believe that this happened in June. It was about midnight, and I'm dozing off in my bed. My phone then started ringing. It's a number I don't recognize. But because of my job, it's not uncommon for my employees to call it at weird hours. Stupidly, I answer. I hear nothing except for the sound that the start of a recording makes. A beep. I ask if anyone's there, and no one responds. I hang up and I try to get back to sleep. Then my phone gets a text. I open the text, and it reads, I know where you're at and they then write down my hometown. I read this, and I instantly felt sick. I live in a small town, and not many people know that I moved back home. My phone vibrates again, and the screen illuminates my pitch black room. I then got another message. 
I'll drop the pen of your location. Tears began flooding my eyes. I keep the lights off, and I feel like I'm being watched. It was the worst type of fear that I've ever felt. Knowing you're being watched. My survival mode kicked into full force, and I lowered myself on the ground and kept the lights off. I called Max, and he was at work. He told me to grab some of my things and then head to his and Marie's house. They only lived about 30 minutes or so away. He said that he needed to call Marie and make sure she's alright because she was sleeping and he wasn't home. We all knew that these calls and texts were related. We knew that it was one person doing this. Max calls Marie and she's fine. She hasn't been bothered. I sprint to my car and make sure to lock everything up. I then get to Marie's and I tell her everything. I tried tracing this number, but I can only find that it belonged to a WhatsApp user. Great. I blocked the number. Now, I hope this didn't get too confusing. I may not know 100% who has been harassing me, but due to the timing of the events and the evidence, I really believed it to be my ex-boyfriend, Scotty. He's very tech-savvy, and he knows how to remain anonymous. Although nothing else has happened since the last incident, I live in fear. He's very scary when he's unstable. I've since moved elsewhere, and I feel pretty secure. So, as of now, I think I'm okay. I have a new boyfriend now, too, and things are going great. I am still on high alert, though. If any of you have any advice or comments, I would love to hear it. If any of you at any point presently relate to the relationship that I was in, leave. Don't wait until it's too late. I'm telling you now, you can't change them. Hey everyone, I need to take a small break from today's stories to thank today's sponsor, ShipStation. The holidays are the busiest time of the year. Don't get stuck worrying about shipping orders. Let ShipStation do the heavy lifting so you and your team can put your time, money, and energy into much more important things. It's so easy to use the ShipStation dashboard to manage your orders. There's also a free trial and quick setup. I know a few people personally who have used ShipStation, and their shipping rates are a lot more affordable compared to many of the other companies out there. There's effortless integration everywhere you sell online, including Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, and more. Let your customers shop risk-free this holiday with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CANNIBAL today and sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CANNIBAL. I'm 21, trans female to male, and I was about 15 at the time of this story. I want to give a trigger warning for eating disorders, mental abuse, and toxic relationships. When I was 15, I went to a gifted program for art kids, and so I usually got a bus to a school about 30 minutes away from my home. That's where I met KJ, female 15. It was my last year at that middle school when I met them, and they had really good art. I really adored their style and them, and we quickly flirted, until one day they asked me out. I was so excited by this. I thought they were amazing. 
I was so fucking wrong. The first red flag was a pizza party during our shared class where they refused to eat. They said their mom would be mad, and I couldn't understand why they wouldn't eat. Well, soon I found out they had an eating disorder, and it just went downhill from there. I felt on edge, constantly checking in on them and trying to help, but nothing would work. They were bulimic and anorexic, and would go to the bathroom to throw up constantly or to exercise. I would sit outside waiting for them. Hearing them vomit made me sick. At one point, they even admitted to using my body as a motivator because I was naturally skinny. That's when things started to change. They admitted they had a feederism kink at some point too and wanted to try it out. Towards the end of the school year, my family had planned to move a state away. I was destroyed. I had planned to go to another art school for high school. I was also in said relationship. It was a good thing in the end though. They started to get better, and they used their feederism on themselves, even posting on the internet to get others to join in on fattening them up. It didn't work, but it did end up roping me into their gross kink. They started trying to have me gain weight, and it became a huge burden. They would constantly count my calories, making sure that I stuffed myself. If I didn't meet their expectations, they would purge. It essentially put me in a situation where I felt like I had to do it or else they'd hurt themselves. They used sexual words to motivate me and I actually pretended like I was into it. Even though it would make my skin crawl and uncomfortable, I did it anyways to please them. Their mother even once implied that I was the reason that they had an eating disorder because I spent way too long in the bathroom once. They also claimed to have dissociative identity disorder as well as random characters from different media. They would talk to me as them for a while until they inexplicably stopped, never bringing it up again. We also shared an app called Vent where you could post how you were feeling. If I ever posted anything negative, I was essentially punished by their pouting or just them spiraling out of control. I was always the helper, but never to be helped. They once even commented that I was bony and that I wasn't comfortable to cuddle. It was a huge hit to me mentally. I still apologize to people to this day if I'm uncomfortable to hug or cuddle with. It's gotten better, but I still can't help the creeping feeling. They would also tell me to stop moving around so much or bouncing my leg because I was burning calories. I wasn't even allowed to take walks or exercise unless I promised to eat a lot when I got back. This was a constant strain in our relationship. I finally moved away, and it was a blessing in disguise, even if I didn't know it at the time. KJ was micromanaging my eating and would ask what I ate just to make sure I got fat. I was forced to send photos of my stomach to prove that I had. I would intentionally push my stomach out for the photos just to make it seem like I really was stuffed. A classic in the feedism community. However, I lied through my teeth, pretending I ate so much food. Ironically, I actually ate way less than before. I would have maybe one breakfast bar for the whole day and then dinner that my family made. I remember once that I excitedly showed them all the food I was eating on camera once, but it still wasn't enough for KJ. They left a purge, punishing me for not meeting their standards. I actually had to plead that I was going to eat more before they calmed down. 
I never did. I totally lost my appetite at that point. If I ever displeased them like that, they would go on vent to talk about it. Their friends would tell them how shitty the situation is and how terrible of a human being I was. I now know it was an abuse tactic called a smear campaign. I really started to believe that I was the problem. The abuser. If I ever opened up about my suicidal feelings or depression, they would make vague posts about me and then spiral out of control for everyone, so I never really talked about it anymore. I just bottled it up and let it happen. Another really big memory for me was when my mom was ordering Taco Bell for dinner. I usually got two double-decker tacos and some chips. I told KJ that I was excited for dinner and what I was having. They then exploded on me, saying that I should have gotten something else on the menu, something with more calories. I was finally at my first breaking point, and I then told them to stop using their eating disorder to control me, that I was done with them counting my calories and making me feel bad. Obviously, this ended badly for me. They went online and told their little friends that I was the villain. They would also constantly make plans to kill themselves too. They swallowed a bunch of melatonin sleeping pills once, and as a stupid kid, I was worried. Luckily, my best friend at the time knew better and then reassured me they would be fine. And they were. It was getting to such a point in the relationship that I secretly thought the only way I'd get out is if they really did kill themselves. I thought that if they did, I'd actually finally be free. I knew it was fucked up then to think that, and it's not like I encouraged it. I actively discouraged it. But the more it happened, I didn't really believe they'd do it. They never did, but a part of me thought it really was the only way out. I started to internalize the anorexic things that they would do. I felt like being fat was disgusting, but I would feel disgusting for being skinny too. My own body soon became my own punching bag. I hated it. I remember when I finally hit 100 pounds. And remember, I was 15. I then told them, and they blew up at me again for being too skinny. I never told them my weight again. There's so much more to say, but I can't remember most of it now. I was young and dumb. They took advantage of my kind nature and my want to please people. I made a couple of trips back to my home state, and once for a funeral, and I managed to convince my family to see KJ. I honestly really wish that I hadn't, because they just made me feel terrible the entire time I was there. Towards the tail end of our relationship, I was starting to just be done with all of it. We broke up, and we got back together once. Then I planned a trip to my old state to visit my best friend and KJ. I thought that maybe we could fix things and work things out. I was anxious though, because I wasn't fat like they wanted me to be. I hadn't eaten much of anything that I said I did, and I felt I'd be caught. I was actually punting a ball in PE while worrying if I was burning too many calories for the upcoming weekend trip. Well, I finally got there, and my best friend and I settled in. We would usually cuddle to sleep, but I couldn't that night. I felt so sick and anxious because KJ was coming over the next day. My best friend sympathized with me, knowing everything that had happened. When they finally arrived, I put on a brave face and pretended I was fine. They ran and cuddled up to me, prepared with snacks and bags and a cake they had made. If my stomach growled, they would make me eat. 
If I wasn't snacking constantly, they got anxious and moody. I felt defeated and terrible the entire time. Eventually, dinner rolled around, and my best friend's mother wasn't making dinner. KJ went into meltdown mode, so we then scrambled to get takeout. Nobody really wanted to drive to get us food, and we were also broke kids at a friend's house. So we managed to order Pizza Hut and got a bowl of pasta. Finally, we ate, and they were watching me like a hawk. I was so anxious from this, but I forced the whole big plate of food down. But then I felt sick, and I ran to the bathroom and then vomited all of it up. I couldn't handle all the food. My stomach was way too small. It also didn't help that I had my abuser watching me and judging me. I felt even worse afterwards, and I knew they were going to go crazy. They were upset, left to purge, and then shower. Whatever they did in that bathroom, I don't know. I just knew I was being punished. My best friend tried covering for me, saying that it was my newfound lactose intolerance, which was true. I had recently learned that I really couldn't handle much dairy anymore, so it kind of worked. Well, later that night, we all settled down to watch a movie, and my ex KJ said that they'd essentially forgive me for vomiting if I ate a piece of cake. So I did. I ate a fucking piece of cake right after vomiting. So morning comes, and my best friend made us all breakfast. I was eating my pancakes, but again, I just couldn't do it. They were big and fluffy, and the anxiety of being watched didn't help. They started getting moody again and putting their head on the table. I was forced to comfort them, saying it was probably from last night that my stomach's upset. Blah, blah. They barely even acknowledged me. While they were sat down, I had managed to slightly motion for my best friend to get rid of my pancakes because there was no way I would eat them now. I lied, and I said that I finished them. I don't know if they believed me, but I don't really care now. For years afterwards, I actually refused traditional birthday cake, and cake in general, and even pancakes because of how they made me feel. I couldn't stand that feeling of fluffy, doughy items because I felt like choking. Sometimes even today, I still avoid them, but I have gotten better. At this point, our relationship was totally broken. When I went back home, everything was fine. I was in my sophomore year of high school when my mom found out I was trans. She took away all of my access to the internet, effectively cutting me off from KJ. She also sent me to therapy at my aunt's house that was a state away to fix me. Luckily, they were really good therapists, and they really did help me. I had horrible anxiety about food. I was terrified of gaining weight, but even more scared of being skinny. I hated my body. I would cry in the bathroom whenever I saw my bones. I could no longer ask for help with food because I felt like I was being pressured and I couldn't deal with it. I still remember a drawing I did months after my mom took away my internet. It said, seven months later and you still control my life. I had to overcome the idea that I was the victim too, not the abuser that they made me out to be. While it's no longer a crippling fear, I still can't handle the thought of gaining weight. I once had 121 pounds around 20, and I felt gross about myself. I still secretly revel in being skinny and losing weight. I don't lose myself in it, but sometimes it takes a hold, 
and I really wonder if I even deserve food. I usually shake it off in a day. I don't deny myself food anymore. I love food and I love making it. Although I don't necessarily eat healthy, I don't deny myself or intentionally try to be skinny anymore. KJ once reached out to apologize to me for what they did. They quoted me some stupid play, which I don't really remember which one. I think it was Shakespeare. I sometimes really wish that I blew up at them, telling them how they thoroughly ruined my life, that I hated them, but I never did though. I still sometimes have nightmares about the things they did to me. Sometimes I daydream of seeing them again and telling them off. Part of me hopes they see this and will finally know what they did, but I also think I'm better off and that I don't need to think about them anymore. So that's my story essentially, and I'm really sorry it's all over the place. My mentally ill ex at 15 manipulated me, used me, and fucked up my relationship with my body and food. I rarely ever think about it nowadays, but it was still something that happened to me. I know it's not the most terrifying story or whatever, but it was terrible when it happened. One and a half years of my life and then some. Good luck, KJ, if you see this. I still don't like you, but I luckily no longer harbor the same hatred that I had for you before. But if you do happen to see or hear this and recognize it was you, I want you to know what you did to me. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night everyone, and remember, to always, stay home.